This morning, our sermon passage is Luke 10, 38 to 42. So as the pandemic continues and as our world continues changing and as we feel understandably anxious about that and, and also as we feel uncertain about what our response should be during this time, I really think that we need to hear Jesus' words in our passage this morning. We need to hear them because they tell us what's important to do right now and what will remain important to do when things open up and grow into whatever our new normal is going to look like. So Jesus' words this morning give us a goal and a direction and a purpose in a time when we need it. And uh, we need to hear Jesus' words also because they give us something that cannot be taken away. And in a time when so much is changing and being taken away from us, we need something permanent that moth and rust and thieves and COVID-19 and social distancing cannot take from us. So what does Jesus say here to give us direction and to give us something lasting? Well, he gives us an invitation to invest in a relationship with him. In Luke 10, our God tells us that now is an opportunity to draw near to him because a relationship with him is the most important thing we can pursue. It's the most lasting thing we have, and it's the source of our greatest comfort and peace. So this morning, we're going to look at this invitation to grow in our relationship with him by looking at three things. Here they are, serving Jesus, needing Jesus, always with Jesus. Those are our three points this morning. Serving Jesus, needing Jesus, and always with Jesus. Uh, so let's read John 10, verses 38 to 42, and then we'll start exploring this gift that Jesus is offering this morning. Let's hear now God's word. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha. Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Thus far the reading of what can only be God's own word. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word, which invites us this morning to sit at the feet of Jesus. And so, Lord, we desire to do that now as we meditate upon your word. Lord, help us to put aside the distractions and cares and worries of uh, our lives and to sit and to reflect on what Jesus says to us this morning. Father, give us ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts to believe your word. And may the words of my mouth as your preacher and the meditation of our hearts as those called to hear and respond and receive your word by faith be pleasing now in your sight. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So as we start looking at uh, the gift of growing in our relationship with Jesus, I think it's important to start by noticing the background of our passage, which is embodied in Martha. Uh, so let's look at Martha. Uh, we're told in verse 38 that when Jesus entered her village, she welcomed him into her house. Now that welcome isn't her just doing something nice for a stranger. If you look back at the beginning of chapter 10, you'll see that Jesus sent out 72 disciples to preach his gospel message in the surrounding communities, one of which was probably the community where Martha and Mary lived. And you'll see that Jesus tells them when they are to that when they enter a town, they are to speak peace to those who welcome them, and that if they're rejected, they're to shake the dust off their feet as a sign of dispeace between them and God. So the point of that uh, exchange or that, that, that event, one of the points of that event, is that when you welcome Jesus, you get God's peace. And when you reject Jesus, you do not get God's peace. So welcoming Jesus, right, inviting him into your house and into your life by faith is essential for receiving the peace of God as one of Jesus' disciples. And this is the context, then, for Martha welcoming Jesus, right? The preacher of the gospel, Jesus, arrives and she invites him into her house. And I think we can assume that Jesus did exactly what he told his disciples to do, which was to speak peace to her. Right? Martha is somebody who represents a disciple who welcomes Jesus and receives his peace. But not only that. Uh, between the story of the sending out of the 72 disciples and our story of Martha and Mary is Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan. So for the sake of time, I'm not going to recap the whole story. I would highly recommend, though, that you read it later today, uh, maybe after the sermon and after our Zoom fellowship time. Uh, but I do want to remind us that Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan in order to answer a man's question, which was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus' answer was, love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then the man asked Jesus a completely legitimate and understandable question that all of us have, which is, who is my neighbor? Right? Who do I have to show this kind of love to? And then Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, who found a man robbed, brutally beaten on the side of the road, and who surprisingly, unlike a priest or a Levite who also found that man but passed by, this Good Samaritan helped that man by giving him medicine and shelter and safety and restoring him to life. Now, what we can sometimes miss in this story is that though Jesus was asked, who is my neighbor, right? Who is my neighbor? Who do I have to love? After telling this story, Jesus then changes the question. And you can see the question that Jesus changes it to in verse 36. He says, not who is my neighbor, but which of these three? priest, the Levite, and the Good Samaritan. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man 
who fell among robbers? And the man, of course, answers, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus responds in verse 37, the verse immediately before our text this morning, you go and do likewise. So the context of our passage is not only welcoming Jesus as his disciple and receiving his peace, it's also learning that to be a disciple of Jesus means that you actually need to love your neighbor. That is, you need to prove to be a neighbor to those around you by showing them mercy and kindness and service. So Martha then welcomes Jesus and spends her time being a neighbor to him and to his disciples and to all of her guests, right? She's serving them. She's waiting on them. She's making sure they're comfortable. She's doing what Jesus has told her she needs to do. And I say all this for two reasons. The first is, I want you to see that Martha's problem isn't, you know, that she was serving Jesus and everyone else and running around and being busy. That's not the problem. It's that she got so busy serving Jesus that she forgot to stop and listen to Jesus. And we're going to talk about that more in a second. But first, I want to look at my, my second reason for making this point, which is that you can't really understand Martha's frustration or the gentleness of Jesus' correction unless you see that this kind of service is basic. Jesus understands it to be basic to the Christian life. Now, honestly, if I were preaching on this passage like three months ago, I probably would have skipped this observation, but context changes focus, right? And the reality of our present situation is that the service aspect of our Christian life is very likely suffering right now. And I would suggest to all of you that it is not suffering because there's a lack of ways to serve. I would instead suggest that it's suffering because so many of the ways that we normally serve have been stripped away from us in God's providence. And as I've you know, thought about this divine pairing away, that Jesus has been doing in my life during this time and in other lives during this time, I've come to this realization that it's true for myself and I'm betting it's true for a number of you as well, which is that I like to substitute occasional big acts of service for small, in quotes, daily acts of loving service. So that if I have a church calendar that has, say, two, three, four big service events on it, I can pat myself on the back and, and justify ignoring all the daily acts of neighbor love that Jesus is calling me to do. All the opportunities to prove myself to be a neighbor in Jesus' name to those around me. To put it, to put it again in Jesus' words, I like to prove myself to be a neighbor three times a month, but not 31 days a month. And then I bless that in Jesus' name. And maybe one of the reasons that Jesus has taken these big service opportunities from us is to get us to see all of the little ways each day that he's calling us to be more like Martha 
in the sense of taking up the task of proving to be a neighbor to those around us and serving them in love. My friends, there are so many opportunities right now for small but meaningful acts of neighbor love. All of you right now can call the lonely. Well, not right now. You have to wait to the end of church. But after church, you can call the lonely. All of you can pray with others by phone or on FaceTime or Skype. Or you can do it through Zoom using the church's Zoom account. And you can just call me and email me and I will set that up for you. Right? You can pick up groceries for those who are at risk and can't leave their houses safely right now. You can even pick up groceries just for those who have less time during this pandemic as opposed to more time. Uh, you can write letters and cards to give physical acts of love to other people. Or you can just stop and listen to the people you're living with. Or while standing six feet away, you can stop and listen to your actual physical neighbors and show them the grace and mercy that flows into their lives when we give of our time and attention, right? The, one of the main things we want from God, we get to give to other people. That is a huge act of service. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. It could never be an exhaustive list. But if you prayerfully look, you will see so many ways to serve in Jesus' name right now and the people sitting around you that you will never be able to do all of them. And I emphasize this not only because I think it's important for our particular moment in time, but also because the context of this interaction is of a disciple who has thrown herself open to Jesus and is actively serving in his name. So if we then want to enter as deeply into po as possible into what Jesus is offering his hardworking disciples, then we need to have something of that service about us too. Okay, so all of that said, there is a danger of service distracting us from growing in our relationship with Jesus. And you can see that from how Jesus has Luke describe his service in verse 40. He says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And you can also hear that in the importantly different words that Jesus says to Martha in verse 41. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. <coughs> Excuse me. So Martha is distracted from Jesus by her service, right? She's lost sight of the person that her service is actually aimed at. Which makes sense to me, and maybe to you too. So when we're serving, what can our focus sort of hone in on? Well, it can hone in on the particulars of service, on the details, while forgetting the overall goal. And just to be clear about this, the goal of loving, loving our neighbors is to create a peaceful joy-filled, love-filled space, or if you don't like that word, context, where all of us, the ones doing the serving and the ones being served, can stop together 
and enjoy the presence of Jesus who is here and who is with his people wherever they go. And not only is Martha distracted, I think, by the details and has lost sight of the focus of her service, she's also worried and troubled. And, uh, and while her worries and troubles at this point probably focus on how she's being perceived and on the needs of her guests, I think the fact that Jesus chooses to describe her as worried and troubled rather than as distracted adds another dimension that invites us to see how our worries and troubles give us a kind of spiritual tunnel vision. So we're running around physically or in our own minds and our own emotions trying to solve problems, trying to make plans, trying to keep our families intact, keep food on the table, keep perspective, keep entertained. And as we're and we're looking at all of these worries, Jesus can move from the center of our vision to our peripheral vision and can eventually sort of escape our notice altogether. And one of the powerful points of this text is that I think is that as important as Christian service is and as important as acting and planning and responding to change are, their emotional weight can distract us from seeing Jesus even if he's sitting in our living room talking to us. And when that happens, we miss the opportunities to give our worries to the one the Bible calls the Prince of Peace, right? To give our anxieties and troubles to the anchor of our soul who enters into our lives and gives us the peace of God. Or to put it in terms of our second point, which is the point we've been on, if you didn't know, um, Martha's service and worry had caused her to lose sight of her deep need for Jesus, the need for him to remain the goal, and the need for him to be her refuge, to hear him speak peace into her worry-filled, troubled life. Which then brings us to our final point, always with Jesus. So Martha goes up to Jesus, right? Distracted, frazzled, frustrated. And she says to him in verse 40, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone, right? Like Jesus, you said we need to prove to be a neighbor. Of all the people in this house, you should care the most that she's not proving to be a neighbor. So... Tell her then to help me. If you've ever thrown yourself into the service of Jesus, you know exactly this prayer that Martha is making, don't you? But then Jesus says in verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. 
Now, given all that we've seen in the context and given all that Mary has heard Jesus say and do just before this, aren't Jesus' words shocking, right? One thing is necessary, and that one thing is not service. What is it? It's spending time with Jesus. Now, clearly, Jesus is not saying that servant and all that service and all that isn't necessary, right? You have the previous context. You have Jesus saying, they will know that you are disciples by your love. He tells us what you've done to the least of these people around us. You've done to me. Obviously, he's not saying that service is not necessary. But what Jesus is saying that there is something that is more necessary than service. And what's more necessary than loving your neighbor as yourself is loving your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Right? The great commandments. The Good Samaritan focuses kind of on the second one. Here, Mary is focusing on the first one, the greatest one. It's what Mary was doing when she was sitting at Jesus' feet during this unique opportunity that she had to actually be in his presence and receive his word and develop her relationship with the savior of her soul, the one who created her and fashioned her and wants to live with her forever. And since we've already talked about how our service is, our service is aimed at knowing Jesus more by creating a context for that knowledge, I, I just wanna look now at Jesus' super encouraging claim Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And that good portion, which Jesus wouldn't even allow serving to take from her. The good portion that Jesus is clearly offering to Martha and to us is enjoying time with him. Listening to his word, spending time with him developing and growing our relationship with him. And that portion is the best portion because it can never be taken away. Ever. My friends, until Jesus returns, our opportunities to serve and prove to be a neighbor, they will never end because we'll always have more neighbors. We'll always have new neighbors. We'll always have new needs and ongoing needs that we need to meet in Jesus' name. Uh, we'll always have people who need to meet Jesus for the first time or who need help continuing to follow Jesus as time goes on. Right? The people we serve, the way we serve, the context we serve in, those are going to come and go. Birth, death, moving, change, it's all going to remain until Jesus returns. But what will never change for the Christian is our relationship with Jesus. That relationship will never go away. Disease cannot hide it in quarantine. Death cannot put it on hold. Failure cannot sever it. Our relationship with Jesus is the good portion because it is given to us in the body and blood of Christ sealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Our relationship with Jesus is the good portion that will never be taken away. And it's that thought that I want to end on. 
My friends, at a time when so many of the ways that we normally spend time have been taken away from us, and at a time when Jesus is superintending all sorts of changes to our society and our economy, and at a time when Jesus is teaching us to find acts of service in our daily lives, he's most importantly, during this time, giving us a huge opportunity to learn that in all of this change and in all of this flux, there is one thing that is necessary, one thing that all of this is meant to serve in our lives most especially, which is to grow closer to Jesus, to know him more, to realize how close he is to us, to learn how much greater he is than our fears, and to learn how to inhabit and live in the eternal joy that he brings us through his spirit as he pours himself into our hearts by his grace. So how do we do that? Well, given the fact that Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him, and I'm sure talking with him, and given the fact that Jesus calls that sitting and listening and talking the good portion, shouldn't we say that he wants us to draw near in ways that mirror that? And given the season that Jesus has us in, and, and given the fact that the two ways of hearing from Jesus and speaking to Jesus that haven't been taken from us, in fact, that are probably, in terms of time, more available now than when things started, don't you think that Jesus wants us to be growing closer to him right now during this season and in the next season and then in the next season through prayer and through the Bible? And in that light, how many of us have increased our reading of the Bible during this time or even increased the frequency of our prayers? And I'm not saying that it's like a guilt trip. That's not effective or helpful. I'm a minister of the gospel, not of guilt. Uh, I say it simply as an observation, right? How many of us have taken some of the time that we would have spent shopping and going out to eat and driving to work, commute time, right? And have put it towards spending more time reading, reading parts of the Bible, reading a psalm, an extra psalm every day, or or reading a gospel, or reading Ecclesiastes. Um, how many of us have taken some of that extra time to pray for our families, to pray with our families, to pray for the world? How many have taken some of the extra time that Jesus is giving us now as a gift and devoted it to deepening and growing our relationship with him, which can never be taken away? Right? One thing is necessary. My friends, Jesus is, is looking at us right now in the Bible and he's telling us, in all of this change and flux, in all the uncertainty, in all the acts of service that I'm calling you to do now in my name for the sake of the gospel, there remains one thing that is necessary, one thing that service is geared toward, one thing that all of this change can do in your life to benefit you, and that is growing your relationship with me. Because as you do that, you'll learn that the one thing that matters in all the world, 
the one thing that all of your acts of service and mercy are geared toward, the one person who can meet your worries and troubles by speaking to you God's own word of peace. The thing that cannot be taken from you and that can be continually given to you and grow in your life is your relationship with me, Jesus says. I am with you. And where I am, there you will also be. My friends, in this season, let's devote ourselves to this one necessary task by turning more to Jesus through word and through prayer. Amen? Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you that you have given us a relationship with you which can never be taken from us. And so, Father, we pray that you would enable us and empower in us and help us to take some of this extra time you are giving to us so that we can sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him and draw near to him and be strengthened by him. And Father, we pray as well uh, that uh, we would take some of this other some of the time that you've given us too and turn it into an opportunity to prove ourselves to be a neighbor so that we might create a context for those in our home and in those around us where they too can join us in sitting at the feet of Jesus and growing in grace with him. And Father, we ask all of this for the sake of Christ and for our growth in the peace which he gives. In his name we pray. Amen.